you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. Have a ton of questions about LASIK? You're not alone. That's why we created LASIK.com. One place where you can go to find every answer to every question on your mind. Like, how much does LASIK cost? How long does recovery take? How do I find a doctor? If you've been thinking about LASIK, go to LASIK.com now. Yeah, LASIK.com. Easy to remember, so you know where to start. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. I'm Rhett Lewis, and this is a special episode of NFL Inside Report as we remember the life and the legacy of John Madden. I'll remember him as the man he was. Um, I didn't think of him as quite the Hall of Fame hero and because he just was such a good friend and someone that uh, you could spend time with and, and really talk about anything on your mind. But um you know, he is an iconic figure in the NFL. I called him the king the other day, and I still believe that. That's NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell remembering his friend and legendary football man, John Madden, who died Tuesday at the age of 85. Madden was a force of nature. He was a Hall of Fame coach with the Raiders, where he led them to a Super Bowl championship in the 1976 season. He was a -a one-of-a-kind broadcaster with a booming personality that busted through your TV on Sundays. He was a successful businessman. And just about every person interested in football or video games has played an edition of his Madden video game franchise, which started 22 years ago and only gets more popular by the year. As many have said, John Madden was football. And as the football world mourns his passing, we take a look back at his amazing life and career. Good afternoon, everyone. Dick Stockton with John Madden. Hi, everybody. I'm Vin Scully, along with John Madden. That's how we're all here with John Madden. For 30 years, John Madden was the beloved dean of football analysts. What a way to start a Super Bowl. That's what Cincinnati wants to do. As the first sportscaster to work for all four major networks, Madden built a successful career with his colorful everyman approach. Boom, you hit him. I mean, that's boom. Boom, right to the ground. Some people say, you know, they run in there and they collide or something. I mean, it hits in there, boom. That's what I say. He makes a little basketball twist there and pivot, and boom, the ball's there right again between the eight and the nine. Oh, 
was he happy? While later generations remember his larger-than-life broadcast persona, it was as the coach of the Oakland Raiders that he first grabbed the spotlight. In 1969, the 32-year-old Madden became the NFL's youngest head coach. Let's start off and stay after the whole game. In 10 seasons with the Raiders, Madden built a dominating team. He boasts one of the best regular season winning percentages of any coach with 100 victories. He won three of every four games. Well, John Madden was the Raiders. I mean, his personality, his intensity, his persona, everything about John, his appearance was ideally suited for the Raiders. These guys responded to him when possibly they couldn't have responded to anyone else, no matter how smart or gifted they'd be. We liked John. He was a, a player's coach. He let us play football. He let us have fun. And we won. We wanted a win for him. And that's really the key to coaching in the National Football League, is will the players play for you? And he always gave us a chance to do what we had to do as a team. He always stressed, whatever you guys do, just do it together and do it as one. I only had three rules, and you know, to be on time, you know, like we're going to have a meeting, or somebody, everyone's on time to do that, and to pay attention, you know, listen when you're speaking, because if you're going to teach, you have to listen, and then play like hell when I tell you to, play like hell on Sunday. Despite their regular season success, a Super Bowl championship remained elusive. The Raiders played in and lost five AFC title games in seven years. We were that close, and I mean, if I felt frustrated by that, how about the guy that was that far away? You know, he was really frustrated. So I always thought, you know, we have a good team, and, and we just have to kind of get one more thing here. In 1976, it all came together for Madden and the Raiders in Super Bowl XI. Their defense pummeled the Minnesota Vikings. Their offense shattered the Super Bowl record for total yards. And the victory catapulted Madden's team to the top of the NFL. And he looks and throws, intercepted by the Perseverance, you know, keep getting up, you get knocked down, get up, get up, get up, keep getting up. John's a big fight fan, I'm a big fight fan. You know, in a good fight, the last one up wins. With patience and faith, Madden coached his team to its greatest prize. 30 years after that achievement, he was still waiting for his ultimate recognition. For the much anticipated Pro Football Hall of Fame Class of 2006 announcement press conference. Someone says, do you want me to turn this off or turn it down? And I go, no, I said, I didn't make it, but let's watch and see who did make it. John Madden. I didn't come down or, or remember anything for 24 hours. My son happened to have a camera. 
And he took a picture of that moment. And I don't remember what I looked like or what happened, but I just had tingles all over me. I've never been so emotional for so long. I mean, the feeling didn't go away. We watched the NFL Network, they're going to announce it. And I said, they can't take this away, can they? I mean, they can't say, we're kidding. We want it back. <laughs> you can't, you don't fly to Hawaii. You can't have it. No, they can't take it away. Like, hey. Today feels like the second time in my life that I'm being carried off the shoulders of others. This has been the sweetest ride of them all. John Madden will be missed. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower, 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats, even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com iHeart. That's LifeLock.com iHeart to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. With the ball already rolling on the next coaching hiring cycle, we wanted to revisit a segment from a previous episode with NFL Network analyst and former Super Bowl winning general manager, Scott Pioli. Looking at the current state of play, the Jaguars and Raiders are two teams we know will have new head coaches next season. The Raiders have been quiet on their search, but the Jags have been anything but. NFL Network insiders have reported that the Jags have put out a slew of requests to interview the likes of Kellen Moore, Byron Lefwich, Nathaniel Hackett, and other current and former head coaches like Jim Caldwell. That brings us back to Scott. 
who joined us recently to talk about minority coaches he believes should get serious looks in this cycle. We started out talking about the Packers defensive backs coach Jerry Gray and how his stepping in as defensive coordinator early this season sparked Scott wanting to write something about this topic. You know, Rhett, it's interesting. You know, I've known Jerry and watched his work for for a while and and watching that game um, prepare itself. Jerry... uh, is the primary uh, figure in in this article and and where I started and where I tweeted and and talked about it. But the inspiration for this story really has, has been there. And I remember talking with the folks here at NFL media and saying, listen, I, you know, there's this piece I want to write and I want to make sure there's going to be reasons and that we should, and they'll arise and and I'll bring it up. And then when this happened, I, I, I sent that tweet out at the time because it was, it was just one more moment, Rhett, where we've seen we've seen this movie before, right? Yeah. Here's this coach who does a terrific job and and doesn't get acknowledged appropriately for the job that he did, and and that's not to sit here and say that the people announcing the game uh, at all. I'm not saying that they're that, that anyone is of them is racist, but there's this yeah. tendency that we have. Um, when we don't know people, we don't know, or we're not comfortable, or we're not in a comfortable space, um, just to say that the, the truth. And, you know, as I watched this game unfold, I was, I was dumbfounded that Jerry had just been announced. He was going to be the, the play caller that week. Well, we've heard that, you know, Joe Barry is not calling the game defensively as the defensive coordinator. There's Jerry Gray. So the way that the mechanics are working over there on that Packers sidelines, Jerry Gray, who's the secondary coach, will call the coverage to the inside linebacker coach, Kirk Olivadotti, right there, and then he'll marry that with a defensive front, and he'll call that into Devondre Campbell, the middle linebacker. So that's there's a lot going on there in order to communicate the defensive scheme on each play. And he was doing an incredible job. He called a great defense. He called a great game. And it, it just bothered me um, that he wasn't getting acknowledged and recognized not only in the moment on the the broadcast, but after the game. Yeah. And to me, it, it's something that we've seen uh, over and over again. And we we can look at it, you know, through with a, a million other examples, unfortunately. Yeah, no question. And uh, it's it's something that. You know, we've been, we, we've talked about at times, you know, on different platforms, uh, you know, here at the NFL, and it's certainly something that has been a point of emphasis, but, you know, the, the overwhelming change that has been advocated for just hasn't, hasn't happened yet. And I, so I understand your point. I know it's something that, that you've been, you know, following in, in a passion of yours, you know, from your time in the league. Um, and now I'm, I'm sure only amplified watching it, uh, you know, from the outside here. Part of my process, you know, when I, yeah. wrote this article, I made sure it was people that I knew and or knew of and knew through reliable sources. Right. And uh, again, I know Jerry. I also know people that have played for Jerry. The next person that I meet that played for Jerry or worked with Jerry and says something bad will be the first person I hear say it. And, you know, people, I I can't tell you direct messages and or text messages that I got a couple of weeks ago when that, when I sent that tweet out. And even again today, since the article, you know, um, of former players, guys that played for him that talked about his ability, not only to coach, 
but his ability to to develop them. And really, that's what players care about. Players are willing to do a lot of things. And if they find someone that's going to help develop them and make them better, which makes allows them or gives them the opportunity to make more money and or to have success or be a part of team success, they're all in. I think it's a great point. And Jerry's had some head coaching interviews, but most yeah. of them in the past, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, like 10, 12 years ago, as I remember. Is that about right? Yeah. The, uh, he's had a total of, I want to say, three head coaching yeah. uh, interviews. And, and and we know how those interviews happen some, or why they happen sometimes. Again, if we're going to, we're going to talk about this whole Rooting thing. And, yep. Yeah. Yeah. And, and um, some people do it to check a box. Some people do it with authenticity. Um, but Jerry's had three interviews in the past uh, w- with different clubs and um, hasn't had an opportunity. And I also know, um, you know, how that goes is sometimes, you know, people choose who they want and they, they generally choose who they're most comfortable with or have sure. some prior knowledge with. It's a great point. That's a great point. And getting out of that mindset. I think is also a part of this and, and, and understanding and, and widening, you know, your understanding of, of these candidates, I think is, is a big part of what we're all trying to do here. And, or just well. to get to know them, right? Because yeah. there's people that are in the buildings and, and let's, let's talk about human nature and the, the, the human factor in this, you know, when you look at what the top ownership is in the NFL and or presidents and the people that are the decision makers, when they're going to hire coaches, they are most comfortable generally speaking, with people that look like them. And then they hire a certain type of person and the head coaches are then going to hire a staff and they go through a similar process. And very often um, they're going to hire people that, that again, look like them. And it's, it's um, not a justification. It's not an excuse. It's an acknowledgement of what human nature is and what um, biases and what implicit biases. And there's got to be a better, smarter way if we're going to change some of some of this hiring um, in order for people to get to know one another and get comfortable with one another. Yeah. And for some of these franchises that are going to be making these moves uh, for new head coaches and new general managers, uncomfortability should be a good thing. Yeah. Right. Because yeah. What, what, what you've been doing hasn't worked. And so now it's time to try something new. Uh, yeah. And and so I, I think that's that's a good point that you make as well. Uh, and I want to look at some of the candidates that you highlighted here in uh, in your piece, uh, which is out on NFL.com right now. Terrell Austin is a really intriguing mm. one to me. Terrell Austin was hired as senior defensive assistant slash secondary on Friday afternoon. Austin, who was born in Sharon, Pennsylvania, brings 15 years of NFL coaching experience with him to the Steelers. He was a red hot name uh, yes. about a decade ago when he was the defensive coordinator for Jim Caldwell. Um, I had the for- the good fortune at that time of being a diehard Detroit Lions fan because my dad was the head athletic trainer for the Lions at that time. Absolutely adored working for Jim Caldwell, who made some really good coaching hires as oh, yeah. to fill out his staff. And Terrell Austin might have been the very best because that defense was stellar when they were together. Hey, and you know what? So I had, I had the honor and the, and the privilege of when we were hiring, uh, you know, I was part of the leadership group, the small leadership group, the Atlanta Falcons, right. Um, when we were getting ready to hire our, our next head coach and Terrell was one of the people that we met with. And 
I had known him from a high hello, how you doing? Shake hands, and and because uh, because I have always forced myself to yeah. be in certain circles that maybe aren't uh, seemingly natural uh, to some folks, and he knocked it out of the park in this interview. I mean, on every level, he had a plan. He had he had he has that it. Um, he has a plan, he has background, he has pedigree. And when I say pedigree, you know, we always talk about the word pedigree. It's interesting how often it comes up, Rhett, uh, when we're talking about people, uh, that look like you and I, yeah. right. And then we don't use that word very often. And, you know, when we're talking about candidates of color, we, for whatever reason, we don't. And, and, and Terrell's one of those people. He was really hot and he should have been because he was a heck of a football coach and he demanded and commanded respect and he got respect. And then all of a sudden, you know, um, things don't go out perfect, go on perfectly. He doesn't get an opportunity. And and then he, you know, we, we don't hear from him enough. You know, I think it's a good point. I mean, I remember distinctly thinking after that first season where he was phenomenal in the defensive coordinator role for the Lions and was getting all this head coaching buzz and was getting interviews like, oh, he's gone. You know, that's and that's going to be a huge loss. Yeah. Yeah. And it ended up not happening. It's like, huh. okay, well, happy to have him back. That's the other thing I talk about in here. There's there's other previous coaches with previous head coaching experience. and, And Jim Caldwell should be at the top of that list. It's Jim Caldwell. Trying to become the first rookie coach to win a Super Bowl since George Seifert. How about when I asked Coach Caldwell the other day, I said, you know, how do you feel during the game? And he goes, uh, because you look pretty calm. He says, well, whatever you see, when you put that camera on me, I'm probably calmer even on the inside. I, I go, why is that? He goes, when you're prepared, there's no reason to sweat. You know, we look at all the number of coaches that get second chances you know, um, my dear friend and, and former colleague Bill Belichick was given his second chance. You look at all the coaches yeah. that were given second chances. And then on this list, you know, that I have here today, it's Todd Bowles, it's Leslie Frazier, it's Vance Joseph, Marvin Lewis, Raheem Morris. They were all, they all at one point in time did do a good job in the, when they were head coaches. But Jim Caldwell, the job that he did, yeah. was incredible. And again, you talk about someone who the, the next person I say I hear say anything negative about them will be the first person. That's Jim Caldwell. And it's not just that he's a nice guy. Yeah, he's a nice guy. And he's a heck of a football coach and he's a brilliant man and he's a leader and he's strong and he's smart and he's tough. I mean, he won at Wake Forest for crying out. That's right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. It's and so there's you know, even before, you know, we're talking about some of the co- coaches like Terrell that are on uh, on the list, but these these former head coaches that haven't um, that haven't been given another opportunity, and it, and it dumbfounds me. And who are some of the other names that that have really stuck out to you that you uh, that you felt uh, you really wanted to include in this piece? Yeah, well, in the piece, I just I make a brief mention of Eric Bieniemy and Byron Leftwich, but I didn't delve into them with the backgrounds because. You know, everyone kind of knows they're more knows who they are and a little bit about them, you know, and I talk about Marcus Brady at Indianapolis. I understand my position. I understand, um, you know, what's going on in the media, because it is a topic of discussion. Uh, You know, the lack of minorities, you know, getting these opportunities. So I'm definitely blessed and thankful for this. Um, I understand that I got to go out there and do a great job. You know, Um, it is my responsibility that given this opportunity to go out there and produce so that others, you know, get the same opportunities that, that I've been blessed with here. 
I talk about, again, Jerry Gray. And I'm talking about these people as head coaching candidates. But I think the other important part of of this article is I wanted to, you know, shine a light also on some of the backgrounds of candidates of coaches that are assistant coaches, either um, or, or coaches that can be coordinators or should be considered as coordinators. Because as we know, there's this path on how you become a head coach and there's not enough coordinators. So we talk about the pipeline all the time. And the pipeline is full of of good coaches, but there's also other coaches that aren't coordinators that are sitting there waiting. I talk about Reggie Barlow, who we know played in the league forever, was a terrific player. And he's that coach at Virginia State. He's been a two-time, you know, black college football national champion head coach, you know, at, at different schools, not at Virginia State. You know, Adam Durde is, you know, who's at the, um, the, the Cowboys, Dallas yeah. Cowboys right now. I worked with him in Atlanta when he was one of our Bill Walsh um, Minority Fellowship interns. And I watched him. I spent time with him and saw not only what a good coach he was and how players responded to him, but here's a guy who actually played in the NFL. And people don't know that through the NFL's international program. And he, you know, he also knows how to evaluate players. That was one of the things I get, you know, some coaches, I get to see this unique ability that they have because of my background in player evaluation. Not every coach can evaluate players. Yeah. And, and, and that's not a strike against a coach. It's coach's job is to coach players, to develop players and to put them in position to win games. But that doesn't mean that they can all evaluate really well. Adden has that ability to not only coach players, do all the things that coaches need to do, but he has an eye for talent. And he's really helped the, the NFL's international player pathway program with that eye. Yeah. You know, that. We get both of, both of your passions coming together <laughs> in one candidate here. With yeah, the exactly. And, these, and, and also minority. It's, it's really cool. Cause he's of, uh, you know, he's, he's from Britain, correct? From Britain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. That's and, really cool. uh, yeah, and you know, we talk about Gerard Mayo, about yeah. uh, Tem Lacabo at, at Boston College, and Fred McNair, who's the head coach at Alcorn State, Marcus Robertson with the Cardinals. These are all really good coaches that should and could have an opportunity to be coordinators. You know, another head coach candidate that I, that I didn't put on this list there, and I felt bad that there weren't enough, there wasn't enough time or space for me to sure. put all the names down, but, but Pep Hamilton. Right. Oh, yeah. Pep Hamlin. There's another coach who's been around an awful lot of success and an awful lot of really good coaches mm-hmm. and knows what he's doing. And just again, at, at what point in time do these folks get opportunities? Certainly appreciate Scott's informed and intuitive thoughts on a very sensitive subject once again here in the NFL. And NFL Inside Report will be right back with a look at another dark horse MVP candidate. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, 
Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cash back on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. Have a ton of questions about LASIK? You're not alone. That's why we created LASIK.com. One place where you can go to find every answer to every question on your mind. Like, how much does LASIK cost? How long does recovery take? How do I find a doctor? If you've been thinking about LASIK, go to LASIK.com now. Yeah, LASIK.com. Easy to remember, so you know where to start. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. Burrow with 439 through the air to the end zone. Touchdown, Higgins! As he beat Orleans, 10-yard touchdown, strike. Joe Burrow, fresh off his Cincinnati Bengals franchise record, 525-yard, four-touchdown passing performance against the Ravens last week, has the Bengals now 9-6 and six, and in position to clinch their first AFC North title in six years if they beat the Chiefs on Sunday. Burrow, the clear leader of that team. A culture changer. And with his play this year, his right arm has given fans in Cincinnati something they haven't had in a long time. Hope. But it's also his brain that's helping change the culture inside that locker room. And as we hear from our Judy Batista from a recent episode, somehow weekly games of Jeopardy actually factor into the equation. When I was doing the reporting and I was just starting to talk to people about Burrow, I can't remember who was the first person who mentioned it to me, but somebody told me, yeah, they have the, you know, in the quarterback meeting that, you know, during the game planning the night before the game, they, they finish up with this Jeopardy thing. And it often, you know, it, uh, most of it's about football, but like the final question is like non-football and is often related right. to if they're in a visiting city, like whatever city they're in. I like this. And so then I just started asking all of them as I was interviewing them about the, the Jeopardy game and the reaction was like, oh yeah. Burrow's like the Rain Man with these. Yes. They all told it. stories about yeah. like different categories. Like CJ's was like, how am I supposed to know how many bridges there are in Pittsburgh? Like, And Zach Taylor, the coach, said like, you know, one question, I guess when they were playing the Detroit Lions was like, you know, how many people does Ford Motor Company employ? And it's like, how did he even get to that answer? Like, how do you, like, how do you know? Um, but like, this sort of goes to the question of like, he is intensely competitive and he wants to win at whatever you're playing, right? Whatever game yeah. it is, he wants to prevail. And uh, look, he's, he's a very smart guy. But like, I, one thing Zach Taylor said is he's got this sort of problem solving thing, you know, how he solves problems and how he arrives at answers. And clearly that translates to football is, you know, That's he so figures out solutions. Yeah. But um, yeah, the stories of those like just like ridiculously hard questions. I'm like, how does he arrive at this answer? We have no idea, but he always wins. Uh, and according to Google, uh, affectionately known as the city of bridges, Pittsburgh yes. boasts 446. Bridges. I have gotten lost on many of them. I can tell you in years covering Steelers games, like the bridges and tunnels, like I have definitely had to call yeah. people at the Steelers before the age of where we all had GPS in our phones. Like I've definitely had to call the Steelers. And oh, like, yeah. How do I, where, I don't know where, where I am and how do I get to where I need to go from here? Well, well, and it's safe to say the last 10 years that the Bengals offense has gotten lost in the bridges yes. of Pittsburgh. And <laughs> this year they sweep 
the Bengals, yeah. or they sweep the Steelers, rather, for the first time since 2009. Big part of that is Burrow. And as we kind of weave into, you know, that those kind of playful Jeopardy games the night before, I mean, like, but that that is the epitome of who he is as a player, too. This elite processor, which is what I always came back to when we were talking about him in the run-up to the draft. And it's one thing to, you know, to see that in college. It's another thing to understand why and to see it happen on the next level. Which in, in which you told the story about Zach Taylor being on the bus in the game after or the game the the hours after the game in which Burrow tours ACL in his rookie year, and all Burrow wanted to do was talk about what he saw in the game, right? Right. I mean, that's who he is. Um, he he also I, I look. I think he would say it. He'd probably be the first to say it. But like they have a really diverse offense going right now. I mean, they're yeah. running the ball really well. He's obviously doing really well passing. He's got a great connection with efficiency. You know, they're very efficient. The defense has been terrific. They've rebuilt the defense, you know, in one season. So they're a really well-rounded team. I think what he gives them is you're right. The processing, like he has a great understanding of what they should be doing. He also gives them, a lot of confidence, you know, yeah. and, and I think that's probably something, uh, you know, I don't want to talk out of school, but I think that's something that maybe the Bengals have lacked in the past. But I think that's fair. He, yeah. He gives them a great deal of confidence that like we belong here. You know, yes, we're a young team and we're probably still under the rebuilding banner, but like we belong here. We can compete with these teams. We can beat these teams right now. Um, and and they believe it. You know, people, not just the players, the coaches believe it. People in the building believe it. People in Cincinnati believe it. And I think that's maybe as much as what he can do on the field during a game. I think that's almost as important is like he has infused them with the belief that they can do this and that they belong there. So CJ Uzama told an interesting story about Burrow coming in, you know, his like all knowing, you know, his his, you know, 360 understanding of the Bengals offense and and how opposing defenses are going to strategize against it. And and Uzama told you a story about how he essentially told Uza- Burrow told Uzama to freelance. Basically. And and Uzama was like, "Wait, really? Can we do that? Is that right?" Right. He's got um what we were saying before, like he he is telling them, like, you can do this. I want you to do this, do this, yeah. do this. And um, and the players are like, okay, like, that's the kind of, you know, understanding, the sort of global understanding of the offense that he has. I mean, he is in control of the offense, and they yeah. are following him. Um, and, and again, I think the fact that they have so much balance um, with the running game, Everything doesn't have to be on him. He doesn't have to throw for 400 yards for them to win. But I think the fact that he can conduct this offense and is so comfortable conducting this offense, uh, I mean, what a boon that is for the Bengals. Because this is, as, as Burrow said to me multiple times when we talked, this is a young team still that is going to grow together and learn together. And so to be where they are now, he's only a year removed from a you know catastrophic knee injury. Sure. Um, he's got a rookie receiver that could be the offensive rookie of the year. I mean, this is still a really young team um, that's still on the rise. So I, I think they're a little ahead of schedule. They're in the playoff mix, firmly in the playoff mix right now. Oh, of course. Um, so certainly the future is really bright for the Bengals. Which is something, though, being in the playoff mix that we didn't necessarily expect right away this season. Right. And then certainly didn't expect it 
during, you know, started to fall off those expectations again, weeks eight and nine, when they lose two straight going into the bye week. But I remember it was weeks, I think it was week seven after they blew out the Baltimore Ravens in Baltimore, 41 to 17. They had this fun, like social media video. CJ Uzama's like, welcome national media. Welcome back to the <laughs> yes. Cincinnati Bengals. It's time you understand how to pronounce our names. It's Uzama, right? And I, you know, I was like, all right, that's pretty cool. And then, you know, like they go out and lose to the Jets and, and then to, and get blown out by the Browns and then go into their bye week. And so at that point, it could have been one of those moments where you're like, same old Bengals are kind of back right. here. Maybe yeah. it's just it, they're not ready yet. Right. But then they fire off two convincing victories coming out of the bye in Vegas against the Raiders and then at home against the Steelers to sweep them for the first time in more than a decade. What does that tell us about this renewed sense of self for both Burrow and the Bengals here? So let me go back. I was at the game against Baltimore when they blew yep. the doors off the Ravens. and was like, whoa. And I thought, wow, okay, they yeah. have arrived. And then, like you said, they lose the two games and they're going into the bye. I talked to Burrow as the bye week was beginning, right? So you think he's going to be like, oh, we've lost two, you know. Yeah. And again, total flatline. He's like, well, we just have to, you know, get back to winning and we'll be fine. <laughs> like, just, okay. Like, none of the, you know, history, like the history of the Bengals, this sort of yeah. like heartbreaking history of the Bengals means nothing to him. Like, yeah, whatever. Um, you know, and then they come out and look, I was, I mean, I was writing the story. So I was watching closely what it looked like, what, yeah. what they were going to look like. Um, but I think that's, that's what he brings them is this belief that, like, yeah, okay. So we lost two games. All right, yeah. so we'll just get back on track, like completely unruffled. Um, and, uh, you know, I uh, that I think bodes as well as anything for coming down the stretch here and if they make it to the playoffs. Because I think one thing we've seen from the entire AFC is every team has had a clunker. Yeah. You know, like everything is like nobody is is dominant. Like you, you don't you're not going to see a team run away with anything in the AFC this year. So. I, I think um, that bodes well that even if they have a slip up, like, you know, they're sort of steady and he's not going to get ruffled and he's yeah. not going to get too down. And, you know, they're just going to keep going. Yeah. Cincinnati currently sitting as the five seed, the number one wild card slot right now. And then really just a game out, a game behind the Ravens, both in the AFC North for first place and for first place in the, the entire AFC. So they're in a good spot now for sure. Um, and, you know, Burrow and, and Zach Taylor, big parts of that. W what did you learn at all about their relationship and about how they kind of feed off each other and, and have found this, this kind of sweet spot for this offense? Yeah, I think they're very simpatico, right? Like, I think, first of all, I think they want to have a, a varied offense. Like, they love having the running game going. Um, they want that. They, um, they also, I think, you know, sort of share a problem solving mindset that like, <laughs> you know, we sort of talked about this in relation to the New England Patriots this week, but like, you're going to have to win. If you're going to be a good team, you're going to have to win in different ways. Like teams are going to take things away and you're going to have to figure out how to get around it. Um, and, and so I think they sort of share that kind of brain that likes that challenge of like, how do you, you know, if teams are going to take away Jamar Chase, what are you going to do? What's your counter move there? Um, and look, I think Zach Taylor has the luxury. I mean, he's got total confidence in the quarterback because I asked him about what kind of excitement have they, has he brought and what kind of confidence? And he said, listen, like no team is going to be successful if you don't have confidence in your yeah. quarterback. Um, and they have supreme confidence in him. 
Our thanks to Judy Batista for her insights on Joe Burrow and how he has this Cincinnati Bengals team positioned for a postseason run. And with that, this is the final episode of our 2021 calendar year. We continue the 2021-2022 season next week, and we'll be back with you next week to recap the first Sunday of the 2022 calendar year. Happy New Year, everybody. Thanks so much for being with us here throughout this entire year on NFL Inside Report. As always, we ask you to rate, review our show on iHeartRadio, on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your pods. We wish you all the best as you begin this new year. For producers Thomas Warren and Tim Parachka, I'm your host, Rhett Lewis. We'll catch you next year. NFL Inside Report is a production of the NFL in partnership with iHeartRadio. For more official podcasts from the NFL, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower... 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more... Right now, you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cash back on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024.